Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is I, the young Grognard, Grognard the young, and I am bringing to you the beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. I can say it right on the second try. Uh, with the Queen adventure series on the second quest, The Way of the Queen. Uh, our party just had a very interesting run-in with a giant who had a very interesting running of his own, followed by an interesting slipping and falling. Um, our party had helped levy the plight of uh, the people of the village where a supposed wizard, Mr. Ortiglair the Clever, is supposed to be living um, somewhere in the woods nearby, but recognizing that the people of this place had very little hope for them with this uh, giant around, the people of Glent sort of tried their best to help out, and with the incredible efforts of the party and everybody joining in for a little bit of the fun, the giant himself, Arndeg, is no more. Um, but before that, our party had an interesting run-in in the woods with some agents of Felure, uh, a couple of spooky shadow monks, as well as an interesting run-in with a certain dead member of the Tome Guard. Uh, very interesting news popped up about a certain dwarf's homeland and a certain strange happenings with a bunch of spooky metal doing spooky things and very little ability to get in there. So our party at this point is trying their best to complete the quest. Um, and now it is apparently a night of celebration as the people recognize that Arndeg is dead. So we jump back in media res as the people have just finished up beating up the giant sized pinata. And it seems like they are all full blown celebration mode and ready to take back the tower, ready to take back the town and recognizing that you guys had been the ones to bring this to them. Um, Again, they kind of hail you guys as heroes of the town. So for what it's worth, I mean, they recognize you guys as all happy members of Glint. Um, casks that can be salvaged from the giant's hold inside the tower are brought out, as well as a bunch of food that's left behind that's salvageable, including big hunks of cheese and smoked meats and breads and stuff like that. Bottles of wine that were apparently going to be nothing more than those little, remember those little nickel nips that they have there, the little sips, you know what I'm talking about, the little wax things? Yeah, basically like that to the giant. But anyway, they bring them all out things. to you guys. And it's just a night of celebration if you guys would like to, you know, join in on it. But there's just such a sense of like a, like a relief amongst the people here as if you've done more to like help them than, I don't know, anybody else could have. And so for that reason, including like the head priest, as well as, you know, all the people that you found in that basement there, they, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all happy to see you. So I guess my question is kind of like what we do with the improv for, what happens during travel, I'd like to do another improv to see what happens during this night of, 
uh, jovial, I don't know, celebration. What's what's everybody going to do here? And I don't know who wants to jump right off the bat with that one if anybody's got any jumpy tinglys. Brownie's got her mouth Anton's, open, so. Yeah. <laughs> Anton, I feel like will be kind of like the, like the, like the dad kind of host where he'll like make sure everyone's eating, everyone has their fair share of food, everyone's having a good time. Uh, I think we, he'll be more well, concerned. Should we also address the fact that that dead body never got addressed and instead well, yeah, the very first thing is probably that? I was going to because I know the priest said he would do the best he could with rites and I don't know if that'd be kind of weird where everyone's like excited and it's like, well, let's go do a burial first in the church. <laughs> then we'll go party because that's more important to the light, people. Well, for what it's <laughs> worth, they would probably do the rites having her like placed on some sort of pedestal inside the church or something like that and having those We're going to bury things. her with her sword too. That shouldn't stay on the... Yeah, right, we already dug that big pit. There's plenty of room in there. Armdag's not <laughs> taking up the whole thing. <laughs> that's you know that's the energy i'm glad we're bringing to the table here this is this is what i'm looking for I, it just doesn't feel like we need to dig two holes in one day yeah i mean honestly what it would look like we're made of shovels but um okay so with that the uh parte uh so so what were you going to do in the meantime you're going to be handing out all the snacky platters on like dixie cups and all that stuff yep okay Blessing right. all your food. Follow the light, people. Blessed be the food and blessed be the light. Don't drink too much. Who's the keeper of the keys here, anyway? Anybody holding on to the keys so nobody drives their, their horse and buggy home dangerously? Look, man, we just dealt with one atrocity. We don't need any more. I, I was just like, I, I mean, I'm tracking Lou. Did we get keys that I missed? <laughs> the magical keys to the peasant's home. Just, yeah, I guess I'll take the key. <laughs> but um, with that, yeah. Okay. So apart from that, uh, apart from Anton's business, what's everybody else do? Anybody else have anything interesting jump up while Anton's handing out at the concessions table? Yeah, I think. Um, oh, oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Man. No, go ahead. Okay, I went second uh, last so time. Norhill would like to hold like a sort of like impromptu tourney type thing, you know, so that, you know, to help the villagers, you know, hold some, you know, like mock combat as a form of entertainment. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that there's quite a few of these kind of pent up rage little guys out here that are all kinds of amped up and pumped about it. I'm sure spirits and alcohol have taken off a lot of the edge that they would have felt before. And people sort of welcome after having seen the heroic display to kind of join in in that sense of like, good guys won the day, like hurrah, let's knock heads together in a very dwarfish kind of fashion. So it does make sense that people would be kind of into that sort of thing. I imagine the rowdier folks of town doing that. I don't picture that omen lady joining in on this one. I mean, unless you guys want to make her. I also I never pass out cookies. Mortal Kombat. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that Mortal Kombat, there are those levels where you knock people off the giant bridge and they land in the spike pit, and there's already a giant down there that's been spiked on it. But I am just saying that I'm getting a lot of really mixed signals here with the Punji uh, spike like giant trap. I feel like it'll become an attraction of the town. Like, town of Glen, come see the giant skeleton in the pit. <laughs> I think we found out what Anton's doing when he retires. Come take a live picture. Somebody's out <laughs> painting pictures of people by the dead skeleton. <laughs> but, okay, so what do we got from Jarzak and Kalika? Uh, uh, Kalika can go. Um, I Jarzak think, got nothing. I think um, Kalika's kind of 
after the big celebration we had in Coopersford and then the big feast we had at Eagle Heart. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Klika's a little partied out. And she's also thinking about um, what the nobles said when they were all feasting in Eagle Heart. And she was like, you know, cleaning off Jarzak's face and all other stuff. And just like the kind of condescension there. So I think Klika's going to go around the village and just try and make herself useful. Uh, mm-hmm. Go around like finding small uh, houses that look like people were still living in, but didn't have time to like keep up upkeep on certain things. So she'll go around and just do like mending and cleaning and yeah. Stuff I'll that say this much. Clica knows. I'll say this much that because like the colder seasons are definitely on their way, a lot of these doors got bashed in by the giant, and a lot of windows got smashed in. So going around and fixing window panes and putting doors back on hinges with mending makes all the sense in the world. Okay. I think that's what Clique is going to do. She's still getting pretty drunk. Like every every like half hour, she's going to get another thing of beer. But then just like sort of, yeah, goblin disengage hide into the darkness to go fix doors. <laughs> just duck and roll with yeah. a cup of juice. <laughs> Except every roll you end up dumping your juice and you're like just licking the bottom of the cup for the little purple droplet. But That's all okay. she needs. And I will say that the level of like I don't know. People have looked directly past the fact that Kalika is a goblin and Jarzak's an orc at this point. Because you guys came in and did as you did, like, people don't seem to notice at all. And that sense of arrogance that you guys had with the nobles, it's, like, completely opposite here to the point that, like, I don't know, seeing that sense of people sharing and seeing everybody doing that brings more of a sense of warmth to the people here. You know what I mean? It seems like that level of, like, etiquette is so far removed from these common people that it's, like, I don't know, maybe almost a little bit startling to Klika after having seen such like different worlds of how to handle mm. celebration like this. You know what I mean? That's why I think she's but, trying to sort of get her footing and that's why she's sort of going back to something she knows. You know? That's fair. Trying to All right. reorientate herself. Let's go, Jarzak. So, yeah, so Jarzak's going to party like a frat boy on his first party day. Where he just gets way too smashed, way too quick, and is like up on tables doing battle cries, like Wah! and just crushing some beer. <laughs> and then uh, he hear- hears about this uh, tournament, and he's like, "I'm gonna win it!" <laughs> oh, Jesus! And before he gets there, he just like stumbles to the floor drunk. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Any you motherfucker!" and just trips and just face plants in the dirt. Yeah. And then everybody at the same time in a moment of silence is like, <gasps> and then they all start cheering again, climbing yeah, all just over pop to back up and just, <laughs> just forgot about the tournament completely. <laughs> Very good. So after a night of much deserved uh, revelry and, and joy, uh, the party at some point or another end up going to sleep um, over at the uh, Iron Duckling and finding a place of solace amongst broken furniture and whatnot, decently enough to get some sleep. And when morning comes, uh, there's a knocking at the various doors of you guys' rooms, and there's a scruffy old man outside of the door who seems to greet you guys with his hat kind of ringing in his hands in front of him in that really pathetic way, and he says that he has some business to speak with you. So, 
He just says he'll meet you in the common space downstairs. So I imagine everybody gets ready pretty quick, heads on downstairs, and he's pretty much standing by the exit, uh, sort of uh, entrance to the building, and he's sort of looking out the window as if kind of like half expecting something or nervously not wanting to engage with you guys when you come down there. And everybody who sees this guy by the room knows very easily that this is the same guy who promised that he would lead you to the wizard or to glare. So by the time you all make your way down there, he turns on heel and sees you all and sort of shrinks a little bit upon you guys getting closer. And he reaches out and he says, I have some explaining to do. And I don't think anybody caught my bluff last night, but I... I wish I knew more about where Orchiglare's lair is, but unfortunately, I said I knew so that you would help the town. So that's to say that you don't know. He says, unfortunately, I know very little. I, I, I have heard word, I have heard rumors, but I don't have much more than that. Oh, you're a liar. <laughs> Just click up from below table level. <laughs> who said the path, that? The path to light is not an easy one, but those who admit their wrongs and face them have an easier way. Everybody just turns to Anton with a disapproving look. Like, <laughs> could you not? <laughs> but with but that, honesty doesn't help us find the wizard. And so with that... The the old guy here at one point seeing Anton giving him like that olive branch and then hearing Nordhill smack it out of your hand. He's just like, oh shit. And so he looks amongst all of you and he says, I can offer some some information, but I'm afraid I don't have much to say. He says it again, a lot of what I know is is merely hearsay, so I'm sorry, but I I don't have much to offer you. Well we know he was he apparently has a hidden tower and just to Recall, there's a tower in the town, right? Um, yes, but this is certainly not the one that they're that they're referring to. And he says, the only thing I've ever heard is that people have seen him. I've lived here my whole life, and people people have said that they've seen him in the woods, but not not in the sense that he's easy to find. It's just they've seen him walking around out there and have memory serves me right. I remember hearing somebody say that he was playing chess out there one time with something of a woodland sprite. I don't know what that means to anyone, but that's probably just the drunken mumblings of an old lumberjack. So perhaps he does have some sense of a home out there in the woods that can be easily found, but the most I can say is that he's probably near one of the streams that lead away from here and apparently he's near a chessboard. I know that's not very much information to provide, and so I'm very sorry for that. Is there any description of what he may look like, like a certain color of cloak? No. Rumor has it that his cloak changes color, changes fabrics, and it's something a very mystical artifact, something that depending on his needs or his moods or whatever, I mean, they change to fit him. So it's hard for me to say. I mean, I've, I'm sure he's much older than myself. He's lived here longer than me, and legends predate, you know, my knowledge. So I, it would appear that he's probably going to be quite the old man. So, oh, oh, we should take bets on what his cloak's going to look like. And so seeing his little bit of an exit on a good note, the old man kind of does like a couple nods. And he's like, good idea, and just turns and runs for it, dropping his head on the way out. 
Take oh, man. Okay. It's a flat-rimmed sun hat. It's like a black with some sort of sun staining to it, making it a little bit more gray than black, but yeah. She tries to mage hand it back to him. <laughs> okay, it goes flying out, lands in front of his face, and he trips. Perfect. <laughs> it's like, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Shuts the door There's with mage one hand. Thing- I'm curious about before we leave because there was a there was a detail about the giant that makes me concerned that apparently he was collecting pieces of metal and scraping them together for that metallic call. I'm like a little I kind of want to see what his lair was like was he using certain pieces of metal? Was there any evidence in there? But knowing we have to find the wizard but at the same time like if dwarves are dying in a hole. Winkle <laughs> wants to look in the tower too. Okay. So, and I will say also that hearing that mention of the scraping metal and all that does, and like hearing the call and all that, does hit Norhill a little bit harder than the rest after having read the note um, and recognizing that that's kind of like a direct callback to what they were speaking of. The fact that the metal almost seemed to be like singing out in there. So the idea that the giant was kind of like looking for that same noise seems to like bode ill. But okay, so it seems like the party's heading over to the uh, to the tower itself. And once you guys head on over there, you can see something of like a constable and some guards seem to be kind of like reinstated to their positions, wearing like the you know the guard that they would. Um, and as you guys approach, one of the members of the guard sort of kind of gives you guys like a look up and down and gives sort of a knowing nod almost immediately and sort of hails you guys over to come over to the tower. The constable comes walking over and he seems to be that guy that was hanging out in the window the night before. And so he, you know, he's looking over at you guys and he says, um, wait, no, that's not the guy from the window. That's the priest. Anyway, that's a different say, guy. He, he's the priest and the constable. <laughs> and he's the mayor and the shopkeeper and the innkeeper. <laughs> he, he just wears different hats. So it's one of those towns. <laughs> but anyway, goddamn nepotism, but um, selfatism. Um, but yeah, anyway, the constable who looks eerily like the guy from the window, uh, he, he greets you guys warmly and says, what can I do for you? We just wanted to have a look through the tower. We heard some uh, troubling rumors about the giant. And so with that, she is domicile for ourselves. And so with that, the uh, constable kind of puts his hands on his hips and does a little bit of a, a flex of authority. And he says... Now, I understand how this sort of thing typically goes, but I have to tell you that though this is my jurisdiction and I want to allow you to go into this place, there is much treasure inside of here that I think is rightfully belonging to the people of this town. Um, And so I would ask that if you do go in here, you leave much of the treasure you see and much of the goods that you find alone. Inarguably, you may have and so with that, he gives kind of a nod and just sort of gestures you guys to go in. And upon entering, it seems like some sort of an old watchtower that sort of got beaten to snot by the giant going in there. So there's sort of like a revolving stairwell that goes up around the outer perimeter of the inside here to go kind of all the way up to the top, to the pinnacle, where there's something of like a landing pad that you can see with like a trapdoor hatch that's open. So it seems like somebody could climb all the way up and look out the different arrow slots at the top to kind of look over the town. Um, but down here, it just looks like something of like a giant garbage heap filled with like rusty bits of metal. And by that, I mean like 
any kind of scrap metal you could imagine, like just like flattened shields, bent blades, axe heads. You've got sheets of just raw metal. You've got like forks, spoons, tankards, all different kinds of metal, just in a big old pile in the middle of the room. It seems rusted, but only because the quality of the metal is probably as such. But you see occasionally the shining silver of like a blade, or you see something like of a nicer steel or pewter or something like that poking out. But all in all, it doesn't look like the value of anything inside beyond those shiny bits is anything of worth. There are piles of coins in here as well. It looks like there's probably like 125 gold worth just kind of dangling about in different parts of the pile. Um, but over by a pile of furs and mattresses that seem to be stacked up into some sort of like almost like a giant like futon for the giant. There are piles of potions that have been set out. A lot of them look exactly the same. Um, and a lot of them have been cracked and broken or opened up. But apart from that, that's pretty much the description of this place. There's various stains all over the walls and the floors and stuff like that. But apart from that, that's about it. Quite the amount of metal. I wonder if he was looking for a certain sound. <laughs> Uh, are there any like writings or anything that belong to the giant? No, the only writing I guess you could say is in here is on the sides of the potion files. Yeah, can we inspect the potions? Sure. So once you go over there, you can see that written on the side of the potions is something in the common tongue, um, but it says friend of the elves on each and every one of them. And it, they all seem to be a uniform color, um, but they don't seem to be like tapped like you know what i mean like these potions seem like none of them have been touched or anything like that it's almost like you found like a six pack that nobody ever opened up the cartridge you know what i mean so these ones there's a series of three of them and besides that there's a bunch of other broken ones that it's hard to distinguish if they're the same set or from the same group but these three seem to be like in a bunch that haven't been touched what kind of knowledge do we need to understand what that spell is i guess arcana Magic. Is somebody gonna roll for that? Yeah, I got a fifteen. A fifteen? Yeah. Um, one could imagine that, judging by the overall smell, the texture, and the fact of the uniformity, that if these were potions that were really strong, this would be worth a ton. And hard to justify how somebody could have it in here, and why it would be written in the common tongue. It seems more likely that this is probably either some sort of like a linguistics sort of spell or something like that, or if anything, it might be some sort of an illusionary spell, but anything that comes in a pack like this probably isn't that potent. So it seems like something that wouldn't last long. It's hard to tell specifically what it does, but judging by the fact that it says friend of the elves, you could imagine it's something to do with elvish language, elvish appearance, yada, yada, yada. Did the constable follow us in? No. And he let you guys shut the door behind him. You think it'd be okay if I took one of those potions? I feel kind of bad, but... <laughs> I don't know, Ronnie. Does it violate one of your flaws or bonds or anything? Mm, I mean, I'm for generosity. And he clearly has, like, way more than he needs. <laughs> does he? <laughs> <laughs> I need to redistribute some of these potions to me. I don't know. <laughs> There's been a severe lack of elven potions in my inventory, and this man has three. You I'm said naming. he had like a pile. It sounded like it was I was I misinterpreting. No, no, no. Like I said, that mostly they were broken and like drank already, but these three seem to be kind of untouched in their own little parcel. Oh, um, maybe I'll grab them and I'll have to ask his permission when he leaves. Of course. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, it's what it's whatever Anton would do. I just feel like him snarfing potions doesn't sound very Antonish. I feel like they'll help us. And I just, we're looking for evidence, and I don't know. I just, that's, well, that's, that's kind I'm, of an odd potion to have lying around. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like the kind of thing Anton could just talk to the guy and be like, hey, listen, I don't know what this does, but this might have evidence to something bigger. Like, that feels like an Anton move to literally just go tell him, like, I didn't know this was in here. This seems important. Can I have it? I find it hard for him to be like, nope, it's fine. You don't even know what this is. Like, this glass, it's my soda. Give it back. I'm like, I don't, you know what I mean? I think Anton will have a pretty decent chance with it. I'll take one of them. I won't take all three. Okay. Yeah. I'll so. take the rest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just Very good. So with that, Anton, after having a moral dilemma, like, do I take them? Only takes one with supreme guilt, and then Darzak just takes the other two right as soon as he walks away. I mean, <laughs> uh, we got lied to to help save them. So, how, you know, all the wealth and unsave them somewhat. That's that's logic right there. I'll take it. <laughs> and so, is there anything else anybody wants to do in here? No, there's nothing that. That stands out to Norhill. That's going to help him understand what the giant was trying to do with all the metal. Can I scrape the metal together. Can I like scrape two pieces together just to like understand what was happening? Sure. I'll say this much: as Anton kind of like puts the potion away in his pocket before he goes out to go talk, I imagine he like stops on heel and he thinks about it. And he turns to the rest of the party for a second, a glance, if you will, and then just looks over at the pile and just sort of like approaches it and just like has a moment of like, what the fuck is so important about this pile of sheet metal? Like what, like what is this all about? And as you go and pluck one piece out to go make a scrape, it like lets out this super shrill biting screeching noise that like everybody gets that like cringy feeling in the back of your neck. And the whole pile starts to kind of like shift and move like a little like screeching metal avalanche as all these pieces start to make like this cacophony of screeching rusty clang and clamor. And it just awakens all the senses in this room with bangs and smashes and crashes as all of it just kind of disperses on the floor. And then the constable runs and he's like, what'd you do? No, I'm just kidding. But it makes that huge noise. And each one of you guys feels like this odd tremor go up your backs as if like this was like a supreme loud noise you weren't expecting and it's an awful noise but it does feel for a second like maybe it's the fact that everybody's looking into what this could possibly mean but it does feel almost like it made a different noise than one would expect as if like because you were expecting it to make a noise that's beyond what you'd expect it feels like maybe there was something there you know what i mean after hearing all of that metal in one place clang and fall to the ground it feels like something was like there as if some spirit of the metal was just like crying out, but in a way that none of you could hear it truly or understand it. Like a subsonic tone. You know what I mean? Like you felt like the hair on the back of your neck stand up as if something was there that you couldn't actually perceive. You get what I'm saying? But when the dust settles and the rust settles, uh, the constable does knock at the door and the door swings open after like five seconds of waiting. And the constable peeks his head and he says, is everything all right? I think so. shift in the pile. And so he looks down at it and he looks up at all of you and he says, did you find anything? I take, a, I take one of the potions and I said, we found a few of these. If it was approved by you, of course, we'd like to gather these for investigation reasons. It's kind of odd to have this type of potion 
being used by a giant. So what was the name of that uh, that that skill in this edition? Because I'm not going to do the thing where I named the wrong skill from a different edition. Uh, no, come on, is do this it. The persuasion <laughs> is that is that the the word for it? Uh, yeah, I guess persuasion. I guess so too. So go ahead. You mean diplomacy? <laughs> I, I <hate> <laughs> Every time. Look, man, you're raised a certain way. Okay. Uh, I got an 18. Okay, and so with that, seeing like the genuine like necessity in your tone he gives a couple of nods and he says sure take him as you will i'm just thinking like the only reason i think this guy would want an elvish potion is so he can cast spells i don't know maybe he needed the word of the elves to cast like fireball and shit <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you're the magic expert no she's not i mean he no he's not mansion's boobs slowly go away <laughs> There was nothing else. I'm just curious. There was no way we can remove something from that pile. Like it was just take it, take like a piece of metal from the pile, or is it like all fused together? Yeah, you could take like a rusty fork or something. It ain't gonna make any difference. Can I tap it against another piece of metal? Yeah, I mean, you just pick up the fork and start tinking on something. Like, yeah, I mean, it makes that rusty ting ting noise that you would expect, but nothing special. Clicka joins in. Okay. She thinks we're just having fun. <laughs> we're just having a good old time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the two of you are just plink tinking at it, and it doesn't seem to do anything. The constable looks very confused, but very eager to see what you guys are figuring out. There may be something... I'm not even one. I don't even know if I could say if it's dangerous, but something very odd about this pile of metal. My, my gut is telling me to separate all the pieces as soon as possible. I don't think having this pile together may be safe. And so the, the constable looks kind of spooked by it, and he says, fair enough, we'll redistribute the pieces. We trust your judgment. And so with that, he starts getting the guards already on it, and they start just coming in and grabbing, like, kind of like bales of them, putting them into sacks and start bringing them out of the place. And he says, if there's anything else I can do to help you guys, I mean, I'd be more than willing to. Oh, um, um, was there... Was there anything like weird on the giant? Like, I don't know what giants normally have, but was there anything besides that? He says, no. I mean, there was a strange hunk of metal that he had in his pocket, but it was this strange rusty slab, and I don't really know much about what that's worth. And he looks down at the pile, and he says, I'll go get it. And he goes and kind of rushes off outside to where they have a big pile of stuff conjured up. And he brings out this, like, this cloth that's all kinds of greasy and covered in black stains. And he brings it over to you guys. And he lifts the top off. And you see just kind of like this iron ingot looking kind of thing. But it's like a, like this quicksilvery kind of looking like silver bar. And he just kind of holds it up to you guys. And he says, doesn't look rusty or anything like that. Doesn't seem like it's been tarnished by his sweaty hands. And kind of has like uh, a cringe knowing how gross this guy is. Kalika runs over Mike. and tinks it while it's still in the constable's hands. Just ding, 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 ding. What was Jarzak saying? <laughs> uh, he was gonna say, "Do you mind if I take if I take a look at that real quick?" Yeah, that's so why I think he hands it over first. <laughs> so as he's handing it over, and you see the bar going to switch hands, there's a quick dink, and it doesn't do anything at all. Uh, it does have a resonance in the guy's hand, but as soon as he squeezes, it kind of loses that ringing. Okay. 
So Jarzak's going to point it towards the pile and see if it does anything. It shoots and... a fireball, blows up the building. <laughs> oh, shit! And if it doesn't do anything, Jarzak's then going to throw it into... Ooh, into the pile? Out. Okay. Yeah. And so with that... Um, yeah, so you just kind of hold the thing in your hand, and I'll say that there is, like, kind of a latent sense of some magic to this thing. Like, once you hold it, you feel, like, the significance of this thing, as if in some weird way it might be some sort of, like, a wand or a rod or like something I like that. shouldn't just throw it. <laughs> not necessarily. It'd be kind of like yeah. throwing a wand. It's like, as long as you're not you know, thrown out any verbal components or anything like that. I mean, it doesn't seem to do much of anything, but as you're holding it in your hand, it just feels kind of like the way I would describe how it felt when Klika got a hand on Flicker, where it, like, it feels like it's weirdly more comfortable to be held than it should. For a rectangular slab of metal, it's like your body's temperature, it almost feels like it's like built to fit into your hand. And as you hold it, it's almost got like this sort of weight to it that like feels balanced as if you should hold it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so then Jarzak feeling that as he goes to go huck it into the pile, pauses, feeling that it just, like, feels right, and just turns and looks at the constable and is like, you mind if we hang on to this? And he says, yeah, I suppose so. He says, in the nature of you all following through with investigations, sure, he says, but if we're to be taken up the same level of hesitance having these pieces of metal inside the tower... Perhaps you should leave if you're hanging on to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think this is going to be any good to be around this pile. Fair enough. I have one more request, if possible. Sure. Are there any dwarven mines near here in this area? And he says, no. Um, apart from the mountains to the to the south, he says, not really, no. And by there to the south, non- he, he means like hundreds of miles, like Anthony's homeland. I mean, Norhill's homeland there. Are there any non-dwarven mines nearby? He says, yeah, the Keratos Mountains there. You guys said you came from Eagleheart, so you must have already passed them on your way. But I can't remember many people taking up much of the mining by the base of the mountain. Really, it's all kind of an internal affair up in Slayton, so why? There was a totem guard who came to the town and she Tome seemed guard? to be carrying ill tome apologies tome <laughs> <Totem> guard, guard. <laughs> traveled <laughs> into town and was bearing very ill news regarding we believe a dwarven mine under threat oh, yeah, she only... was talking about my homeland Uh-oh. it's not oh, that would... far away yeah but why would she travel this far unless I'm not great with the geographical locations of tome guards unless that's just i mean they they say the the constable says he says he's heard word that people were noticing some lady kind of on the outskirts of town and she came in one night to collect supplies but she was trying to do so very quietly and mention people mentioned that she was asking questions about the giant people were hoping that she was going to take care of it but never did um but, I mean, judging by the distance, you guys are away from the mountains. I mean, you are quite a ways away from the homeland of the dwarves, the, you know, halls of silver and steel. But um, if she was headed to Eagleheart, it would make some sense that maybe she was on her way to that kind of authority. You know what I mean? But still, 
for her to have caught word from the dwarves, it could have passed hands on its way from the mountains. Somebody could have somehow snuck it out and she could have been the only person who caught word of it in this area. So it's hard to know. And this guy definitely would not have any idea. Okay. Like he's just some town sheriff. Like he's not going to know these super spooky inner workings. So, okay. So is the plan now to kind of go and try to find something else? You kind of find uh, a wizard. Are you telling the constable this, or? Yeah, I can't I mean, remember his name. I was going to ask if he knew the whereabouts of Ortegler the Clever. And so with that, the constable puts his hands on his hips and he says, well, you know, I might know a thing or two about that. He says, my father happened to be one of the best chess players in this area. And he himself says that he beat Ortegler. Nobody believes it, but I believe it. He says, I remember being a boy. He says, there was an old fishing spot that we used to go to. And one day he said he was off going getting worms from an old rotten stump. And he was gone for nearly two hours or so. And I got worried that maybe some goblins got him or something. But if my childhood, if, if, if I remember my childhood correctly, he's somewhere out by an old fishing spot that I know about. He says, there's an old stump out there. And if I'm not mistaken, those chess pieces might still be there. I remember I went round the corner and I saw a man in deep purple robes. And as soon as I got close and snapped a twig, my father jumped up, the man jumped up, and his cloak turned to bright green and then to a white. And all of a sudden, he shrank to the size of an ant and disappeared into the chessboard. People don't believe me. And my father still to this day says that he beat him before I showed up. But it didn't look like that to me. But he's long gone now. So unfortunately, his knowledge would probably be the best on this. But... I can tell you roughly where the old fishing spot is, if you'd like. Please. And so he outlines somewhat of a rough detail about where it would be at the end of some old stream. But yeah, and it's over near the uh, lake to the south of here. There's a, a sort of one of the larger lakes in the region, but it's Lake Flair. Um, and so with that, he basically roughly outlines where it is. So the party's able to head off if you guys would like to. It sounds like it's going to be about a four hour or so kind of hike out there. So was there anything you guys wanted to do per, for prep or anything? It's about eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning tops. So you guys will be getting there at like noon. I think I have all the rations I need. <laughs> I, I ate eight rations in eight hours. <laughs> I'm so hungry. Actually, maybe I do need to buy some rations. Because I don't know if we do, do we use rations when traveling? We must have, right? Yeah, I've been asking people to do it. Yeah. On occasion. I kind of forgot for the last bit of travel, but whatever. I'm going to just buy some rations. I'll buy like four things of rations. Okay, so it'll just be two, sil- uh, two gold pieces for that. I will give the gold. Very good. So with that, the uh, party's ready to head off. Can I get a survival check from somebody on the party? Does anybody have survival? I do, yeah. I'll swag. So Klika, using her best ability from having traveled the world as she has, follows the rough directions. So, get on it. 18 plus 119. Dang. Oh, only plus one? Oh, mm. no. You got a negative wisdom? Yep. Oh, my. <laughs> this is off to a good start. <laughs> so, with that, Klika makes some good headway. When when the guy speaks of streams, she very clearly jumps right off the village of Glen and follows the stream that you guys think you saw on the way in. 
And so going uphill, you guys pass by one of the streams here um, and follow it for a good ways into the woods. And you see that it breaks off and forks by a bunch of bushes and low hanging trees. And it seems like this area is well trod by a bunch of different critters, but most of the trees have lost their leaves. So it's still kind of temperate. And there's a lot of leaves that have sort of made up a new riverbed here amongst the, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the water. So it's, it's beautiful seeing all the various colors, but I'm gonna need another survival check to ruin the beauty of this moment. Can someone give me the help action? Um, I would say that would have to depend on if somebody else has proficiency. Uh, could, you got this. Nice. Wait, can I just cast... Jarzak doesn't have proficiency. <laughs> I might have a spell that could help. Are you uh, saying that you have guidance? Yeah. Okay, why don't you add that guidance real quick onto there, Ronnie? Go ahead and roll your guidance. Yeah, it, it, I'm just going to touch Klika's forehead, and she'll get a little little yellow like thumb spot and be like, here's your guide. Ow. It burns. So, what do you so add? just like, you, add, you add a you add a d4 to your roll. Wait, um, you can add a d4. Oh, and we know. Add... You gotta you gotta add a you gotta roll your d4 and tell uh, oh. tell Ryan what he's gonna add to his overall number. That way, you're not just tossing bonuses to people <laughs> and not helping. I like to make it so that the people who are helping get to feel guilty when they only add one. You get four points. All right, yeah. that's a soft 20. Yeah. Dang. Okay, so with the guidance of Anton, having seen Kalika have maybe some inconfident movements out here by the river, giving a little moment of like, you know, you got it, says Jarzak, and then Father Anton kind of gives a poke to the head and be like, you're a good little noodle. So Kalika <laughs> goes skipping on her merry way, choosing the right path of the creek, and as you guys head deeper down past the trees, down a little bit of like a slope, you guys can see the body of Lake Flare down here. And you guys can see as you're heading down that the description of a large stone that kind of like sits out in the water with a couple of little stones leading out to it, it's pretty easy to spot it in the distance. And you guys start making your way over there, judging by the description that the constable gave you, that if you just look due northwest from that spot, you should be able to see the big tree with a small stump in front of it. So can I get a perception check from the group? Even that. Nat 20. Damn. 13. Okay. 14. Okay. 18. So everybody sees it, judging by the fact they're all standing up on that big rock and looking out on this, by the way, very quaint and beautiful lake. Being out here and hearing like all the different birds and everything that are kind of just about to pack up and leave. It's, it's a very nice lake. And looking out here, you guys can tell also that this is probably the last time of year to go fishing. So if anybody had the supplies for that sort of thing, it would be very easy to go fishing and get good catches. But beyond that, Jarzak very quickly and very clearly can see something shine in the distance as the sun peeks up from the clouds. And you can see very clearly a stump that this little shimmer comes from. And everybody also sees that stump in the tree of description. So with that, the party heads off a couple hundred feet over in that direction. And you guys see what appears to be a large tree, a stump, and a full-size chessboard sitting upon it. The chessboard itself is inlaid carvings onto the stump. And all the pieces, like I said before, almost look like polished and varnished and like fully sealed pieces of wood of two different colors and grades, as if designating between a darker color and a lighter color for the players. Um, yeah, so apart from that, I mean, you guys are free to do as you wish at this point. I want to try playing chess. Yeah, does anyone know how to play? They could <laughs> teach me. 
Like I swallow the pieces one by one. <laughs> one of these has got to get him angry. I'll, I'll try at it. I imagine I might have dabbled with it if there were slow days at the temple. And it does feel like the kind of thing that Anton would teach little kids how to play. So he probably has a very rudimentary knowledge, kind of like teaching kids how to play checkers on rainy days. That makes a lot of sense. That's kind of cute and very organic for Anton. So Anton walks over and pops a squat by the side of the, the stump here. And as you go to sit down on the ground, a single stone kind of like grinds its way out of the ground and meets your butt at a perfect height for your, like, your sitting position. And you're kind of just seated there and... The table seems to, like the, uh, the the stump in front of you, almost seems to vibrate a little bit as all the pieces sort of like slowly move into a perfect position and kind of rotate to be facing one another. Does Jerzak want to play with me? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to, to, love to learn. And so with that, as you go to sit down in the seat, a single stone rises up before you even go to sit down in it, and it does not seem to fit the stature of a full-grown orc. And instead one of the tower pieces that seems to be designating one of the pieces on the board kind of tips over for a second and a small bit of fabric kind of rolls out like a crumpled paper ball out of the top of it, out of like one of the crenellations on the roof. It just kind of rolls and bounces onto the ground and all of a sudden you guys can hear the sound of like something rustling around under the leaves and all of a sudden the leaves kind of like foof up and you see a full-sized man just like launch out of the leaves and his cape and his full-sized robe seemed to like, kind of like poof, in the air as he lands and come to a close. And as he does, it seems like the ombre of the color of his robe goes from like a darker orange at the bottom, flaring up to a bright yellowish white at the top. And his hat being like a piercing white color, almost to kind of like show his rising from the bright orange leaves around him on the ground. And he lifts one single hand with a wand it seems to be a very simple dark wood that's kind of all spun up with a small crystal at the end of it. And he says, who dares challenge Autoglan the Clever to a game of chess? It is I, Anton of Glory Week. You he are says, very clever indeed. He says, clever indeed? You have not seen me play. Surely you do not know anything. I guess I don't. I guess so. I live in a... Just Anton's like, you know what? If you're going to be a dick, I don't want to play fucking game. Jarzak, so, tag in. Jarzak slugs him. Jarzak pulls yeah. out a character sheet. Like, all right, so let's do this. <laughs> so anyway, you meet in a tavern. But, oh, that's cute. But with that, anyway, Order Glare kind of looks at you and furrows his brows a little bit. And he sits down at the stone seat awaiting him, shuffling the robe away from his butt. And he himself doesn't seem to be an overly tall wizard or anything. He seems like he's more like five foot six. But the robes and like the huge epaulets made out of like cloth make him look way more like imposing. But now that he's sitting down, he looks like a big nerd. Like he doesn't seem like he's this big impressive man. But apart from that, as he sits down, his robes turn to a sort of a grayish color and the hood splits in the middle and becomes two little like jester hat kind of columns splitting to the sides. And he sits down and begins to peel over the pieces. And he says, are you any good, Anton? We'll see if you seem to be a master. I only hope I'll give you somewhat of a challenge. But I am only an old man who uses his game to entertain the passing of time. So we'll see. Oh, little Anton. 
Okay, so in that case, uh, I'm imagining you're probably going to be using wisdom as your primary playing skill, using sort yes, of like please. the tricks learned over hundreds of, of games, not being like a strategist and not being like good at playing the other person. So why don't you go ahead and roll just a raw wisdom check for me, and I'll roll a yeah. raw intelligence for you. 11. So with that, at the beginning of the game, as you guys start playing and everybody sort of takes a bit of a seat against trees and whatnot to kind of watch in, it seems Ortegler is here to play for fucking keeps. He moves like one piece forward after you move one and he just comes in and wrecks house and starts slugging you to pieces. Not winning the game, but very clearly like staying his hand and letting it be known that he's kind of dominating the board. And he says, so tell me, Anton, did you find my secret abode just so you could lose a game of chess to me? Surely there must be other reasons. Well, we were sent on the guidance of the queen. You may be able to help us with... And so he says, a queen? Queen of where? Queen of the dwarves? The gnomes? I recognize no queen in this land. And he looks at Merkleger and he he says, not that there's anything wrong with a woman in power. Surely, I appreciate that, and I respect that bountifully. I just don't think that the queen we're referring to is a queen I should be respecting or abiding by. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so, can I get another wisdom check? Yeah. Twenty-one. Okay, and so with that, as he seems to be very self-assured with this comment and almost taken aback by him kind of coming out so hard about this, as you just genuinely are like, we're here on a queen's errand, and he's like, queen, shut up, nerd. So then you like almost use his confidence against him, catch up a little bit in the game and seem to take him back a couple pegs. And he looks down at the board, looks up at you all, and he's like, so it's the queen, is it? What is it that she needs of me? She receives... She recommended your help in the capturing of a hydra. <laughs> Sorry. She recommended your help in the capturing of a hydra. And so he just kind of like peels back for a second. His hat falls off, and as it does, it becomes a large scarf and becomes this green snake-looking thing, changing the color of his robes to bright greens, blues, and yellows. And as he kind of leans back forward again, they all melt to a bright red color. And so he says, capturing a hydra? What are you, mad? Is she, well, I know she's mad, but are you all mad for agreeing with that such, a, such an idea? A hydra? And you thought I would help? She seemed to think that you would. And so he looks uh, over. A uh, friend of her illustrious father that you were. Indeed. I was a good friend of her father, but he's gone now with strange circumstances. And I can't say that I'm inclined to help out a queen who I don't truly believe deserves to be seating as she is. Trodore, the king, before she was queen, was a good man. A very good man. Good chess player, too. I let him win a few times, but that's how I got property out here by the lake. But in any case, I'm not sure that I can be of much assistance at this current point in time. If you want me to help you capture a hydra, I'm imagining she's hoping to use my magics. But before we carry on with that, Rana, can you roll another wisdom check? Wait a minute. Did you just say you got this land by losing at chess? Yes. Talk about failing up. <laughs> Klinka just laughs. 
like, I only got I got a seven. Oh, I got a seven too. So <laughs> with that, I guess nothing really seems to happen. You two are both way too engaged in the conversation and chuckling over Kalika to, to really give much of an engagement on this one. And so at this point, seeing that you guys are sort of matching wits on this piece for piece, he kind of puts his elbow down under the table and it matches the color of the wood and it transforms into almost like shingly kind of looking wood outfit as he looks up at you all and he says, listen, I would love to be of assistance, but I don't really know what you want me to do here. I know that there's the legendary Hydra out in the swamps of Yadar, but I don't, I don't know. She wants to use the Hydra to prevent an orc invasion on my home. And so with that, he kind of shifts his eyebrows a little bit and he looks over at Jarzak for a quick second and he says, I'm afraid if we were worried about their invasion, we may be a little late. I'm already here. He's like, <laughs> he's like exactly what I'm saying. But he says, okay, listen, I do owe her father quite a bit. And if it would mean that I could help prevent needless deaths, I will. As a wizard myself, I try to avoid such affairs as this as much as I can. But I have a heart and I do care enough about the people. So I'll do what I can, but I must warn you, I do not have all the means to make such a spell. And in fact, you're going to have to meet with somebody I know if we are to do this. In fact, such a spell as I'm assuming the spell you will need is not one that I've made in a long time. To capture a Hydra like this, I'm assuming you're hoping to capture it alive. Well, I don't imagine too many Hydra like to go easy and I don't think there's many sleeping spells that can be conjured, and I myself don't really dabble in such enchantments, but if you'd like to make a very manageable hydra, the best way to do so would be shrink it down to something of a manageable size, and perhaps encase it in something of a jar. But to make sense... Well, I... That's... And so he is almost like taken aback by the fact that she came up with the idea and like came, you know what I mean? And so he's almost kind of taken aback with her level of foresight. And he like seems very much so off put by such a comment. And so he just kind of turns and goes back to the game after looking over at Norhill for a second to kind of like register those words. So let's roll one more to see the outcome of the game. Nine. Okay, and so with that, he wins the game, and he says, would you like to play one more game? Can I play? I've beaten up many of foes. (laughs) He just starts slapping the pieces off the board. Be gone, wimp. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give Jarzak a chance to play if he wants to. Okay, and so with that, uh, you sit down at the table. Are you going to be using charisma, intelligence? Okay. So you're going to be trying to play basically following his his moves and trying to anticipate his... Yeah, okay. the fair. mind games and stuff, you know. Fair enough. And so with that, he turns to Norhill again and he says, I would be using that sort of a technique. I don't know how she would know it, and I guess maybe she's not as much of a rube as I remember her being as a child. But something was always interesting about that girl, and I... I can't say that I trust her too much. If you all believe genuinely that she's the woman to be trusted to help the people out, then so be it. But I will say this much. Before I assist you in any way, I don't trust her. 
And I'm doing this because you all seem good enough as people, okay? You seem to be the same kind of people that could be entrusted in Tordare's assistance. And Tordare was a great king. So I'll do it for him and for his kingdom, but know this. As a man who sees many illusions and many strange things in this world, something doesn't seem right with her, and I'd be careful. But then again, I haven't seen her since she was about 10 years old, so perhaps things are not as they seem. So that's roll for it. Third. Damn, I got a 20 off the bat. Just straight charisma, yeah? Yeah. 15. Okay. So he starts immediately taking some of your pieces with that. And so he says... Wait, is this a saving throw? No, it's not a saving throw. Don't add proficiency, you turkey. And so with that, he turns to you all again and he says, if we are to do anything about this, you're going to have to go meet with as he kind of like shudders almost as if like, like something like a cold shudder goes through him. And he says, there is a man I know who lives not too far from here in Gabora. And he is not a savory fellow. His name is Pyther Lenswell. He is an interesting man, and he's something of a specialist when it comes to gemstones and crafting of such things, but I'm going to need something of a finely meshed, finely grained uh, uh, sapphire mixed with some silver, heated to the point that they become sort of one. And he's the only person I know around here who has the right kind of diamond-based tools that can break such a gemstone down. I don't know if you have a sapphire amongst you, and perhaps with the right sort of compensation, Pyther can, well, maybe he has a gemstone available. But again, I must warn you, Pyther is also not a man I would trust. And it's a shame to live in an age where many people I would say I know are not the same people I say I would trust. Now let's do another rule. I got a 16. Nine. Dang, so you get smacked twice on that one. And it seems like you're dawdling off at the end of the game. And so he looks at each one of you guys and he says, is there any questions that you have before you go? If you tell Pyther that I sent you, I'm sure he'll be of service, but I warn you to keep a good eye on your, ch on your, on your coin purses and to make sure you keep an eye on him and his practices. I'm not saying he can't be trusted, but I am saying you should pay attention to market values and your back pocket. Duly noted. And so with that, let's do our final roll on this chessboard. I got 12. Soft 20. Oh, damn. Okay, so you start to get a hang on this one, and at the last second, you start taking pieces that he's trying to win the game with. All right, let's do another. I got nine. 13. Okay, so at this point, it seems like it could be anybody's game, and the wizard does seem to be a little bit, like, perturbed, as if he's like, my, look at the time. Yeah, I think it's about time we get up and go back inside. Yeah, so I watched you play that last game, so I figured I knew how to play this game now. He right. looks at you, <laughs> and his robe seemed to take on a darker, like, kind of form and become more form-fitting. And he lowers his big, long, gangly hands down to the board. And I got a nine. Soft 20 again. <laughs> and so with that, Jarzak sweeps at the last minute. And so with that, the wizard looks up at, the, up at you, and he just kind of looks frustrated and debilitated by this. And he says, well, you know, like your friend said, a lot of times losing things does a favor to myself. 
and he all of a sudden shrinks down to the size of a marble and just like rolls down his own sleeve before enveloping into it and lands into the little tower piece on the board and slides right in like a little gumball through like a little slot there. And that's where we're going to end that. Hey everybody, it's the young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>